Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside uh, each and every week, of course, is none other than the Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm battening down the hatches. We're, we're about to get some rain here for the next couple of days, and uh, we're not sure yet. might get ugly. I don't know. How about you up there in Buffalo? It was ugly all night, and uh, it's... 60 degrees and the sun is partly cloudy right now but uh we're going to be inside most of the day because it absolutely poured yeah yeah i know they're they're calling up in the northeast and of course here in florida in the south uh east uh we're calling for uh some stormy weather for the next uh, uh couple of days but uh, hopefully some of it will blow around us and go back out to the atlantic because we even though we need a little rain, we don't really want as much as they're predicting. But anyways, we've got a great show for you, everybody, this morning. Got some interesting guests coming on here in just a little bit. Um, but let me just remind everybody, of course, we are live every Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Uh, and best way to find us, of course, is go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or just type women of golf uh, up in the search key, and that will take you to the main page. And you can listen to us live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, here on that network. For some reason, if you can't join us not, uh, live, not to worry, just scroll down on that page and you'll find the on-demand section. That's where all of the previously aired shows, including today's show, will be there uh, in their entirety. So you can listen. If you missed the last week's show uh, or maybe another show and you want to go back and listen to that, you can just go to the on-demand section and catch it there. Uh, you can also go to iTunes.com, Stitcher.com, and now TuneIn.com. And again, just type in Women of Golf and that will take you there under those social media platforms. So lots of great ways to tune into the show. You can also reach out to Cindy or I personally uh, if you want to email us. Uh, Cindy's email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and mine is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And just a quick uh, note, speaking of Golf Talk Live, this Thursday I'm going to be traveling. and be heading to Orlando, uh, so I will not be doing a show this Thursday evening, uh, which I normally do from 6 to 8 p.m. Central. So just a quick uh, note for anybody that listens to this show that might also listen to that show uh, I won't be doing a show this Thursday, but we'll be back the following week. So um, just a quick note there. All right, we've got a, Cindy, we've got a couple of great guests this morning. We're going to be starting off uh, with a, a great young lady, uh, Laura Wern, who is the previous winner on the Symmetra Tour of the 2016 Gosling's Dark and Stormy Classic. So a couple of years ago, she won a great tournament, and she's headed back uh, to her neck of the woods in North Carolina. Uh, she graduated from Furman uh, University in 2013, and this is her fourth year on the Symmetra Tour and as I mentioned, she's a past winner of the Gosling's Dark and Stormy Classic in 2016. Uh, she's a Charlotte, North Carolina native, and she'll be playing in her backyard this week for the Symmetra Classic. So I'm sure she's pretty excited about that. So let's welcome her to the show. Good morning. Hi, thank you guys for having me. Thank you for joining us. All right, us. well, we're, yeah, we're glad, to, we're glad to have you. So let me just start real, real quick, and then, Cindy, I'll throw it back to you. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit very briefly off, off air before we went live, uh, Laura, and as I just mentioned a moment ago, uh, you're kind of back in your neck of the woods, if you will. The, the tournament this weekend, the Symmetra Classic, is being played at the River Run Country Club in Davidson, North Carolina. How far is that from where you are? Um, it's about 45 minutes away from me, um, so it's still nice to be playing pretty close to home. So you're going to uh, obviously be able to, you were saying you get to sleep in your own bed and, and have some home-cooked meals, so obviously you get to enjoy uh, uh, a little bit of that uh, uh, home comfort, if you will, uh, in preparation for this week? Yes, it's very nice. Um, 
you know, all of the tournaments we play are all over, you know, the United States. So anytime I get the chance to play close to home is a real treat. Um, hopefully I will play well this week and um, enjoy being at home. Perfect. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I'll let you uh, start off with uh, some other questions, and then uh, we'll, we'll keep going here. Let me ask you how you feel your game has progressed over the last four years. Um, a lot of people would think, oh, well, she hasn't made it on the LPGA Tour. Well, you have survived on the Symmetra Tour for four years, and this is not, you know, a race. This is a you know, a long-term adventure, if you will, if you plan to play golf with your whole life and make a living doing it. So how has your game progressed and what have you improved the most and what seems to be holding you back? Um, you know, it's exciting to see that I have improved each year. And I think um, each year I get a little bit more consistent and a little bit more confident. And so I think that I need to work on my putting and short game to continue to, for my scores to drop and to be able to compete better against the best. Um, but I think I've improved on, you know, accuracy off the tee and, you know, bunker shots and just kind of overall, my overall game and mindset um, is better than it was four years ago when I started. And so I just feel a lot more comfortable out here and hopefully that will help me make more birdies and um, move up to the LPGA Tour. How important is it to feel comfortable and that you belong? I think it makes a huge difference. My first year, I didn't know that many people. And so, you know, each week I was meeting a bunch of new people, but I didn't know if I was good enough to compete with everybody and, you know, where I stood. And, you know, now I know that, you know, any tournament, there's a chance to win. And just, like, seeing familiar faces everywhere you go, um, it puts you at ease and, you know, it's a lot less stressful and a lot more fun. Awesome. Go ahead, Ted. Perfect. Um, so, you know, speaking of confidence, obviously, you know, as we just mentioned, you, uh, you're playing pretty close to where this week's tournament is. So that obviously that gives you a little bit of a, a confidence and, and obviously being a, a seasoned veteran of, of the Symmetra Tour also gives you a confidence. What part of your game specifically gives you the most confidence? I think I'm most confident um, with my tee shot. Um, I, you know, I, I hit the ball fairly long, so I, you know, around this course especially, I'll be hitting a lot of three woods and five woods, and you know, those are some of my favorite clubs. And so hopefully, I'll be able to um, put myself in a good position off the tee to give my give, give myself a chance to make a lot of birdies. Now, you mentioned about the, hitting pretty – yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'm, I see – I'm on no, the Metro Tour website, and your driving accuracy is, is 73%, which is pretty good, and your distance is 293.90. That's, like, disgusting. <laughs> I want to slap you. Oh, my God. What the heck, Lord? Uh, I need to buy some yardage from these girls, Ted. I I, I, I tried to buy yardage everywhere. But here's the issue. Why is the Greens and Regulation 66.67? You know, I've been struggling a little bit with my irons um, so far this season. So, um, you know, I've been missing some easy shots and wedges into the Greens. So hopefully I can get my distance control back and – and be able to hit it closer. It's true because yeah. if you if you, know, if so, you hit a lot of greens, there's going to be a lot of two putts unless you knock it really close and one putt. So, I hear you there. Go ahead, Chad. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was I was going to say I don't know if you noticed or not, Cindy, but they seem to be getting progressively better each show. You know, about two shows ago, uh, I don't recall the young lady, but we had on the show and. I think her average was about 275. Last week it was about 284 something, and now this week it's 292. So I'm just wondering if we're going to get over that 300 mark on the next show. Uh, it just seems to be getting longer and longer <laughs> as we progress through the season. Um, let me ask you, um, Laura, you know about shots. 
you know, most players, especially at this level, um, have a sort of a go-to shot, if you will. When they get into uh, a little bit of a, a difficult situation in the course, this is the shot they go to. Do you have one in your bag? And if so, what is it? Um, well, I, you know, I think for me, I like hitting a cut. So I try to make that my go-to shot. But, um, you know, each week it just kind of, you know, changes depending on the, you know, what the course is looking like. And a lot of times I'll just club down to a three-wood or a five-wood if I'm not comfortable or if I'm a little bit nervous to, you know, give myself a better chance to put it in play. Yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, I remember back a few years ago when, you know, Tiger was still in contention, a lot of, excuse me, a lot of times he would bring out his two iron and that's what he would tee off with a lot of, uh, a lot of his drives, if he, especially if he wasn't comfortable uh, with his driver that particular week. Do you do something that, like that as well, or is that what you're meaning by clubbing back to three or five wood off the tee? Yeah, I think um, it just, you know, if you hit a shorter club, um, it gives you a little bit higher of a chance to hit the fairway. So if you're a little bit nervous, it takes some pressure off the shot and, um, you know, it'll put you in a good spot in the fairway and to complete the, complete the hole. Is is the fade your, your I know it's your go-to shot, but is that the one you're most comfortable? Do you also draw the ball? Like some people can only do one or the other, um, and some can do both. Are you pretty comfortable with both ways, uh, a fade or a draw? You know, I I hope that I can do both, but um, and sometimes you need to, but I'm definitely, right now, I'm definitely a little bit more comfortable with a fade. Perfect. Um, let me just ask one more, and then, Cindy, I'll throw it back to you. Um, you know, Laura, everybody sort of has their own way of practicing and preparing uh, for an upcoming tournament. What do you specifically do uh, to get ready for an event? Is there any sort of a, a special ritual that you do? Uh, you know, do you practice a little bit longer? If it's a, if it, especially being in a hometown, you want to, uh, you want to do well this week, um, being around family and things like that. But is there something that you do specifically to prepare for a tournament? Um, you know, nothing in particular. I prefer to play on the course rather than um, practice on the range as much. So I, I, def- I will practice, but it helps me to see the greens and the course, and um, I'd rather play more more of the day than um, sit out there grinding on the range. That's uh, that's some good, good advice for those listening to the show. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Let me ask you, do you know, or what was your major in school? I majored in business administration. And are you an introvert or an extrovert? Um, I'm right in between. Um, I, you know, I, I'm probably a little bit more of an introvert. Um, but, you know, I do love being around people. And, um, you know, I, I would prefer to be in a small group of close friends. But, you know, I'm probably right in between. Do you play practice rounds alone or with friends? With friends, yeah. Always, yeah, makes never it alone? Fun and it's nice to have. I mean, you know, sometimes you have to go it alone, but I like to have games and um, matches against some friends, and it, you know, makes you focus a little bit harder and helps helps me prepare for the tournament. Awesome. So you play money games? And I don't know if it's – we play for pride some or maybe ice cream or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's awesome. Well, that's pretty good. I I like that. Laura, let me ask you, um growing up, obviously, did you play a lot of other sports and if so, what sports particularly were did you gravitate to besides golf? I did. I uh growing up I played um mainly soccer and basketball. And then I started, you know, I was exposed to golf at a young age, but I didn't really start playing until high school. So um, yeah, I had a pretty late start in that, but I really love it now. Now, what? Who who introduced you to golf? Who who sort of gave you the first uh, first lesson on the on the tee, if you will? And uh, when did you decide this is what I want to do? Um, well, my parents are avid golfers, and so um, they used to try to bribe my sisters and I to um, go to the golf course <laughs> with them. And eventually that took once I got to high school. But um, I, I decided I wanted to play professionally when I was in college. You know, I didn't going to school, I didn't really think I had a chance. Um, 
to make it out here. I, I hadn't played for very long and was kind of just getting started. And so I think my junior or senior year, I realized that I had a chance and I wanted to pursue that dream of mine. Who's caddying wow. for you this week? Now, just uh... – Well, I'm sorry, what was the question? Who is caddying for you this week? Is it your dad? You know, nobody's caddying for me this week. Um, I'm just going to push the cart, and um, I'm sure my family will come out and watch some, but um, I think I'm going to caddy for myself this week. Good for you. Hmm. Hmm. Let me ask you um, uh, another question, if I can, about uh, golf in general. Um, Obviously, at some point, you, you developed a, the bug, if you will, as we all do, and, and decided to pursue this um, uh, career. What's your long-term projection for yourself? Where do you see yourself five years down the road? Well, I mean, I hope that I am, you know, competing on the LPGA and, um, you know, hopefully uh, winning or putting myself in contention. Um, I just want to keep improving each year, but as long as I'm still enjoying it and getting better, then um, I'm going to keep playing. And so, but hopefully I'll be competing against the top girls in the world each week and doing well. Do you have? Do you enjoy the tra- to help pay? I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Do you have sponsors go ahead, to help defray the cost? Um, you know, my parents will help me, and um, I'll, you know, just hopefully I'll play well each season and. Um, keep being able to, you know, pursue this dream. But it's definitely very expensive, so um, it motivates you to work really hard so that you can have some good finishes and help pay the bills. What does it cost to compete nowadays? Um, You mean like the entry fees? No, like the yearly expenses to play full-time. Um, I think it's I don't very think different our listeners- for- I think it's really different for everybody, you know, depending on um, how you travel and if you stay with host families or in hotels. So, um, and if you have a caddy or if you do your own. So I think people's expenses would, you know, greatly vary. So I don't know if there's a number you can put on it, but it's a very expensive sport for sure. Like Uh between twenty and $50,000 a year to play, depending on how you travel? Yeah, probably about that. I um, typically try to stay with host families, um, and it, de- it helps with expenses. And um, I have a, I've had been really lucky, and um, I've met some amazing people all over the country that I keep in touch with, and so that's been really fun for me. And it kind of makes it feel a little bit more like home each week. Um, and you know, you go back to the same families, and you create a relationship with them, and um, I enjoy that. So I try to stay with host families. Awesome. Well, yeah, that's cool. I like that. That, uh, you know, gives you a little bit different. You know, I think one of the nice things about that, Laura, is, as you said, you get to develop and make some new friends and, and acquaintances along the way as opposed to staying in a hotel room all the time, which can be a little bit lonely, a little bit boring uh, at times. So this gives you a chance to interact with some other people, um, uh, you know, as you travel around the nation. Um, what would you be doing if, if golf hadn't bitten you the way it had and, and you hadn't been out there playing, what do you think you'd be doing differently? What else would you be doing right now? Um, you know, I've thought about that a little bit. I, I'm not sure where I'd be working, but I love sports and, you know, all sports. So hopefully I'd be involved in sports some way. Um, but I'm very glad that I love golf because it's a, a more fun job for me right now. So hopefully I'll be able to continue playing for a while. <laughs> Do you see yourself transitioning uh, maybe more to the teaching side at some point later in your career after you've had a good, uh, strong, healthy playing career? Do you see yourself maybe doing something to give back in the game and maybe uh, help create some of the next generations of of, uh, young ladies coming out on tour? Um, You know, I really like playing with kids, but I I don't see teaching in my future. Um, I'm not sure what I'd want to do, but... um... I think that'd be a tough job for me. Um, I like playing, but uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't see the golf swing that well, so I don't know how great I could help people, how much I could help them. <laughs> um, 
Well, that's that's pretty good. You know, and I think there's a, obviously a big distinction distinction, excuse me, from playing to teaching. And teaching isn't for everybody. It, it's uh, it's a it's a difficult balancing act. Some are, ver- are better teachers, and some are better players, and some can be good at both. So that's that's a great answer. Um, just one sort of final question for me, anyways, and then and Cindy, if you've got anything uh, to add as well. Um, as we mentioned earlier in the uh, the broadcast, of course, your past winner, you won the 2016 Gosling's Dark and Stormy Classic. So you know you have the chops, if you will, to win a tournament. That alone has to give you a great confidence. Yeah, it does. I mean, each week I believe that I can win. You just have to, you know, you know, play well in those three days or four days and get a little bit lucky. Um, some weeks the putts, some weeks the putts drop, some weeks they don't. Um, but I'm I'm really itching to get back in contention and hopefully a win. I've been I was close a little bit a few times last year, and so I um, I hope I'll get one this week, or if not this week, then this year. Um, that would definitely be great. Fantastic, um, Cindy. Any final uh, questions or, or uh, comments you want to make? I don't have anything other than good luck and keep swinging, and I love your determination, and I'm sure we will see you on TV. Thank you guys very much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure, Laura. Thank you. Yeah, good luck this week, and and have fun. uh, Enjoy being around your family and friends, and and, uh, do well in the tournament. we, uh, We know you will, so good luck. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Laura, for joining us this morning. All right. That was our very special guest this morning, Laura Wern, uh, winner of the Symmetra Tourist 2016 Gosling's Dark and Stormy Classic. She's going to be playing at the River Run Country Club this uh, week uh, in Davidson, North Carolina, as she prepares to uh, battle out with the other young ladies on the Symmetra Classic. Uh, so we wish her well there. Uh, coming up in a few moments on the show, Cindy, is John Show. He's uh, the tournament director uh, for this week's Symmetra Classic, and um, he's going to be joining us here. And let me just tell you a little bit about him. He's based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and is serving, as I said, this week's uh, tournament director for the Symmetra Classic. Uh, but he's also been a media director for two LPGA uh, tour events. We'll talk to him a little bit about that. Um, but uh, Cindy, while well, we got a few minutes before John uh, joins us, what's uh, what's been cooking in your uh, neck of the woods here? What do you got uh, planned for the next few weeks? Teaching, teaching, and more teaching. <laughs> so it's, now, it's spring in Buffalo. Yeah, that's right. Um, now, also, too, you mentioned a few weeks ago that you're going to be uh, getting some practice in because you want to get in, obviously, to this year's uh, Senior U.S. Women's Open. Um, what are you going to do to prepare uh, for that, to, 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 uh, to be able to compete in that? I know you've got to well, uh, qualify. Yeah, I've been practicing my short game because um, I'm sure they're going to play it pretty long. And I'm not very long, but I'm pretty straight. And I need to be able to get it up and down, which will take some pressure off of the lack of distance, if you will. And I used to be a really, really, really good putter, and I'm trying to tap into my right brain to feel how Cindy used to make everything she looked at. So I've been practicing that, and then I've been hitting balls, and I also, I prefer to play rather than hit balls all day myself. I have issues sometimes with alignment and being comfortable on the course, aiming at a target, because I tend to try a little too hard. So I'll go play all by myself and hit a couple balls and you know, pretend I'm playing in a big tournament and there's a lot of lot on the line and just kind of test my emotions and my trust. Yeah. You know, and, and that's some great advice. You know, uh, a couple things that, you know, that you just mentioned, Cindy. First and foremost, I agree with you as well as what Laura had mentioned as well, and, and that is uh, I think it's always best. I mean, certainly you have to go on the practice tee and, and you have to, you know, hit a, a few shots to warm up and, and kind of get prepared. But I think it's better to get out there in real course uh, situations uh, to be able to really test your game and prepare for any uh, event, whether it's uh, an LPGA event like you're going to be doing uh, or a Legends Tour event. Um, you know, you've got to get out there 
and, and actually get on the course and play in real life conditions. Uh, you can do, certainly do a lot. You can do a lot of imagination uh, on the, uh, the practice uh, area, uh, but it's not the same thing. Uh, lots of circumstances can, can come up that you're not going to always experience there. So I think that's great first and foremost. But also, too, you're drawing back on past experiences. You know, you, you just mentioned, you know, uh, you basically sunk everything you looked at uh, on the putty green, uh, but that's maybe not happening as much lately. So you're trying to draw back on, on some of those memories. What do you think, uh, very quickly, do you remember when you were putting your best? What do you remember doing that you think maybe you're not doing now? I tend to get too left brain and try to find it rather than just step up and feel it. And let me give you an example. Did you watch Sunday's round of the players? I did watch a little bit, not all of it, but uh, what specifically? Well, I can tell you that I feel like I need to call Jason Duffner and say, right. Honey, are you okay? Because he looks so uncomfortable and so left brain. Like he's got a total methodical system of setting up. I mean, you just mm-hmm. you know he's going to make a bad stroke before he even takes the putter back because you can tell he doesn't trust it or feel good. So needless to say, we've all been in those shoes. And unfortunately, the whole world got to watch it, and the three-putt on 18 cost them a half a million dollars. And, yeah. and so I'm trying to avoid that at all costs. Because you can't make yourself, um, you can't be so left-brained, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So when I putted really well, my head was really still, and I felt comfortable over it, and I just swung it back and let it go through, and a couple seconds later, I looked up to see it go in the hole. And, and that's kind of what I did, and I'm really trying to channel that and feel that again, I've got a legends tour event in a couple of weeks. I'm going to have to be off for two Tuesdays because yep. I'm going to be flying to, right. to Seattle. And then we're, I'm playing in the legends tour event at Suquamish Clearwater resort. And then the day after the event, Alan and I are doing a golf school um, for a bunch of students from Microsoft. So I won't be able to be on, but I'm really trying to channel, you know, the old city, if you will, and and right. for our listeners, because again, we all work now. You know, none of us are playing golf full time, like Laura is. Yeah. So you have to be very aware when you do it correctly. What did you just do? Pay attention to your intention, and and so that you can tap that again when you need it. So really, try to improve your awareness. Yeah, I think, Cindy, what happens to a lot of us when you're not playing, and it doesn't matter whether it's golf or it's anything, you lose a certain amount of confidence in your ability. And when that happens, for whatever reason, whether it's from not being able to play very much uh, or from maybe not doing as well as as, um, you, you would like to, your confidence decreases a little bit which causes you to overthink the process and I think if I understand what you're saying I think that's what I'm hearing here is you don't have the same confidence that you once did uh, obviously because you're not able to get out there and and grind it out week in week out like you maybe once did because you're busy teaching and, and doing other things so it's causing you to get into that as you said that left side of your brain more of a, a an analytical and thinking and, and instead of actually just getting over the ball and actually just feeling it. Um, and, and I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with, both amateurs and professionals. So for the listeners out there, you know, you've got to, this is why we emphasize, you know, if you want to play better, you've got to get out there and practice and you've got to get out there and play a little bit more often. If you're only going out there, you know, once every few weeks or once a month, you're not gonna, likely going to improve very much unless you happen to have some incredible talent uh, or, you know, God-given talent. But ultimately, 
you know, if you're not out there practicing and working on these different things, as, as Cindy just pointed out, um, you're, you're not going to improve and you're going to uh, have struggles and challenges along the way. But uh, some great thoughts and insight. And, you know, one of the things I have to give you credit with, Cindy, is you're very honest about your own game. A lot of people would sort of sugarcoat it in that, but you come right out and you tell it like it is and you let the, the you know, there's a certain vulnerability there, which I think is great. And I, I like the fact that you are honest about your own abilities and you don't try to sugarcoat it. Well, if you're not willing to reveal the truth and expose the elephants, it's really going to be hard to improve. So I feel as though, you know, you absolutely have to really look in the mirror, you know? Right, right. And and you you do that, uh, and that's important, and it's important for all of us to, to be able to do that. All right, Sydney, I see our next guest is ready, so let's uh, welcome him on. And, of course, uh, I've already uh, given you a little bit of a background, but our very special guest on the second half of the show is John Show. He's going to be the turn- tournament director, excuse me, for this week's Symmetra Classic uh, at the River Run Country Club in Davison, North Carolina. So let's, uh, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest in the second half, uh, John Scholl. Good morning. Hey, guys. How's it going? Great. We're doing well, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Thank you for, for joining us this morning. Um, John, we've already let the, the listeners know a little bit about your background and that. Um, I think an obvious question I want to ask Cindy, if you don't mind, I'm going to start off real quick and then I'll, I'll throw it back over to you. Uh, John, explain what the role of a tournament director is. Just for those that are listening to the show that maybe aren't uh, avid week golfers or maybe don't play in professional events, what is the role and function of the tournament director? Well, so it's, it's it kind of changes depending on the tour. Um, you know, if you look at the, kind of the LPGA versus the Symmetra Tour, uh, the basic operations of a tournament is that it, you know, it needs to be sold. So you've got somebody that does sales and marketing. You've got somebody that does public relations to promote it. Uh, you've got somebody who kind of manages operations, which is really everything outside the ropes. Uh, the tours usually manage everything inside the ropes. So it's really just, you know, on the LPGA, it's usually a staff of four or five people uh, that do all those things. And on the Symmetra Tour, just because the events are a little bit smaller in scope and size, uh, sure. it's usually one or two people, sometimes three. Um, but that's it. You know, it's, I mean, it's everything that's going on outside the ropes for the course of seven days. Wow. That's, uh, that's a lot on, on, on your plate. And, and obviously you, you have to prepare well in advance of the, uh, event coming in to make sure that it's going to be successful. So, uh, when do you normally start when you know the tournament's coming, uh, and you're involved in it, when do you start preparing for say this week's event? You know, so this year, this event has been a little bit different just because uh, it was only, we only announced this about 95 days ago. Um, or sorry, maybe it was about, uh, maybe about 120 days ago. But, uh, you know, typically you start as soon as the trophy is given away. You know, if it's, we'll hand out a trophy here on Saturday, ho- Saturday hopefully, depending on weather. And then, you know, we'll start planning uh, immediately the next day for 2018 so, or for 2019. So, you know, it's really it's a year-round, it's not a year-round full-time job, but it's definitely something that you're thinking about year-round, um, you know, getting prepared for the next one. So when you get done with one, it's just kind of, you know, writing down the learnings, what, what occurred over tournament week and what you want to change and fix and make better for next year. So. So you Sounds just, good. This is um, a brand-new so event? So this is, it's, it's kind of a brand-new event. So it's actually the 10th year of the Symmetra Classic, uh, but we are, this is the first year at uh, River Run Country Club. So uh, the event was in Texas for, uh, I believe it was three years. And then it was moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, back in 2012. So we ran the event at a place called Raintree in South Charlotte from 2012 until 2016. And then the tournament went to uh, Atlanta for 2017. And then it's back here in Charlotte under a new two-year deal. Now, were you running the event in all the other cities, or is this new event? This is a new event for you in the last 120 days, and you've had to sell it in 120 days. So it is. Uh, I, I was involved in the operations when it was in Charlotte. So, um, you know, there was definitely. It wasn't like starting from scratch. So that's kind of. It was kind of like a new event, just in the terms that we're at a course that we weren't at before. Um, but we are. You know, we, we've been running this for long enough, so it's not – it's kind of new, but not new. Ay, ay, ay. You have been working <laughs> like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, though. I mean, it's 
you know, I think my wife looks at me like I'm crazy, but, um, you know, to be able to, <laughs> you know, to, to put something like this together and, you know, you always end up working with a team of people that are always really great. So, you know, the excitement that you have on 18 on the final day, when you get to hand out the trophy, you know, it's a, it's like walking up a mountain, you know, and at the end of it, I think it's, it's a pretty good feeling to know that, you know, you put on an event that, you know, a lot of 144 players to have a chance to, you know, become LPGA tour pros next year. So, you know, it's, it's rewarding and it's fun. Is it your job to sell the sponsorships? Yeah, there's a bunch of us to do it. I mean, there's, you know, the, the tour is involved. There's, you know, the membership is involved. It's, uh, you know, there's, it's not just me. There's, there's a whole, there's a village that will make this thing happen today. So my job is just to kind of, you know, direct the, you know, it's the definition of the word. It's kind of to direct it and make sure that at the end of the day with everything's done and, you know, water's on the opening holes and, you know, the pro-am goes smoothly and uh, it's just kind of overseeing all that. So let me ask one more question and then Ted can have it back. What is the distinctive value and benefit to the community to put this event on? Because I'm trying to get a senior tour event in Buffalo. And what would you say is the value and benefit to the community? You know, I think it's, I talk a lot about community events because, you know, especially with this one here, uh, but I do, I also work on tournament staff for two LPGA events, one in New Jersey and one in Atlantic City, or sorry, one in New Jersey and one in Los Angeles. And what we always talk about here and in those places is how do you build that into a community event? How do you kind of take, what is a golf tournament and make it into a community, a thing that the community embraces and loves and is proud of and wants to see return. So, you know, if it's a dollar in dollar out thing that the community is looking at, you know, you're typically, you know, there's, there's definitely, there's money that's spent in the market. There's, you know, tournaments generate money for the local economy, but it's really, you know, where these things thrive and where they do really, really well is where the community embraces them because the tournament makes it a lot more than just about 144 women playing golf. So, you know, as, as I got on with you guys, I was just hopping out of the car after taking two players uh, down the street to an elementary school to meet with 400 third graders, uh, you know, that were out there just wow. messing around and having fun and, you know, hitting balls with the snag golf equipment and, you know, riling them up and sending them back to class. And, you know, it's how do you get, what are the things that you can do outside the ropes to get the community excited? So we'll do... Agree. We'll do, women, totally. we'll do women's wine and cheese. Yeah, we'll do, uh, you know, women's wine and cheese groups um, on uh, later on tonight where we'll have 30, uh, 30 to 50 members um, out here, you know, just talking to players, uh, having a drink and, and meeting them. And then we'll have a group of kids out here, too, uh, that will be doing a junior clinic. Uh, we've got an event on Wednesday of tournament week we call Rock the Putt, where we put a DJ on the putting green. We rope out six mini golf holes and then we put up musical themed obstacles and we have eight amateurs versus eight pros in a bracket style competition for a cash prize. So, you know, there's a, we try to do, and that's just here, you know, our other events, our event in New Jersey, I think we do 25 community appearances over the course of the week. Um, it's just, you know, we do ticket design contests where we go into local elementary schools and we give them a white box with the LPGA logo. And then we pick, depending on the number of days of the tournament, three or four ticket design winners, and then put their artwork on the tickets. So, you know, it's really one of the different things that we can do during tournament week to to kind of engage the community. Now, do you work for the LPGA or are you self-employed and? I'm self-employed. Yeah. So I've got, I was a reporter for a long time. Um, I used to write for sports business journal, which is kind of like the wall street journal of the sports industry. Uh, sporting news and a few other places. So I left um, almost eight and a half years ago uh, and just started a business that kind of focused on marketing and public relations. And as part of that, uh, you know, I kind of got into women's golf and and men's golf. And, you know, I've been running this event locally here, uh, you know, since 2012. Wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it's fun. Fantastic. You know, it's 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 interesting, um, John, because you know, obviously, being having a media background, you get to really appreciate um, how to promote this event, and obviously, you understand what the uh, audience, if you will, the viewing, but also those that follow golf, what it is they're looking for. So I, I want to ask you a question about this week's event. You've obviously had to 
to cram a lot of preparation in, uh, you know, the last 120 days or so. When you sit back at the end of this event, what's going to be a perfect uh, outcome for you? So this is the, the easiest question ever. So I had, and it's not, it's not a business metric. It's not, you know, it's not something that's necessarily tied to the, the tour or the event, but um, you know, if I'm, I've got a, a six year old daughter and you know, I, I've never, I was raised by a mom who was, you know, not very, so she's feminine, but she wasn't really girly, I guess is the right word. Um, you know, and I've got a, a son and I've got my wife who is also not very girly, but now I've got this six year old little girl who's very girly. And, you know, I, I like to get, I, I, I try to get her involved in sports as much as I can. And what I tell everybody is that, you know, as much time as we spend in the community trying to get kids and especially young girls excited about professional sports, um, if I can stand on 18 with the trophy and look out in the crowd and see a couple hundred girls under the age of 18 out there cheering on a professional athlete, I think that's, yeah, that's undoubtedly success for me. Perfect. That is so um, cool. Yeah, I, I like that. That's a great answer. John, let me ask you, just going back to something you just talked about a few minutes ago, you went out into the community and, and basically with a couple of the players uh, in front of, I think you said, uh, three or 400 third graders. What's some of the feedback? What's some of the comments or questions that you get generally uh, when you got, because I'm sure you have a, a, an opportunity that allowing them to maybe ask some questions of the players and, and maybe even yourself. What's generally some of the questions uh, or maybe even misconceptions about golf that you hear? You know, the questions are always all over the place. I mean, just, you know, you've always got one kid that somebody always asks if you met Tiger Woods. Somebody always asks if you've, if you've been to the Masters. <laughs> <laughs> they always ask how much money have you made, which is always moderately awkward. Um, but, you know, I think from a misperception standpoint, I don't think it's a misperception. I think it's something that golf needs to change on. And it's that golf is, for kids, golf is boring. Like, unless you're a kid who's been brought up at a golf club, uh, whose parents really yeah. like golf and you've got a golf club in your hand to be taken to a place where you're told to be quiet for three hours is terrible. It's just, it's not a fun experience for us. No, I've got a six and a nine year old. Like, you know, it's, I can take my nine year old. I've been able to take to golf tournaments since he was five because I created things for him to do. I put him on a rope line and I gave him a pen and I said, see how many autographs you can get. Or I put him, you know, right next to a standard bear on a green. And I said, see if you can get balls and gloves from, from players. And that to him was he sat there for two, three hours and did that and he walked away with two dozen golf balls. So, you know, it's golf needs to create experiences for kids in order to get them to be interested in it because no kid is going to want to say, yeah, dad, I'd love to go to a place where I have to shut up for three hours. Uh, You know, that sounds wonderful. Also, it's really hot outside and I just want to go home. So, you know, if it's probably less so at this event here, but some of the other ones we do, I mean, you know, we do interactive putting greens. You know, we open up one of the putting greens to kids because I was at the U.S. Open at Pinehurst in 2014, I think, and they had just a massive uh, putting green roped off for kids. And my son, we've been walking around all day long. I put him on the putting green. The whole thing was fenced off, and I fell asleep for about half an hour while he worked his way around the 18-hole putting green. And that's what gets people to stay is the interactive stuff um, you know, and the social stuff is, I think as people get older, as kids get older, you know, in order to get teenagers out there and to get people in their twenties out there, it needs to be a social event and it's got to be a place where somebody's, you know, they want to be seen. They want to go out and they want to see people. And if it's all about what goes on inside the ropes, then those types of people aren't going to show up. You know, that raises a, you're well said again, John, that raises really kind of an interesting um, thought, and, I, and I'd like to very quickly get your, your uh, view on this. I think there is a little bit of a, a misconception uh, at, at that level, uh, especially young kids, because the only really exposure, most of them, unless, again, as you said, they're brought up and raised through family uh, to play this game, is what they see on TV. Because golf, unlike many other sports, is not actively in, in, in all school areas. For instance, you know, you have football and baseball and gymnastics and all these other great sports that are integrated into the school systems where golf is not, uh, except for at certain um, uh, levels of, of school, at high school and, and collegiate. And even then, it's not across the board. What would you like to see happen in the future 
uh, for golf to, to do that, to give the kids a better understanding of what's really behind the game other than what they just see uh, and hear about on television? Yeah, you know, it's tough because it's the whole, it, the whole thing is so contradictory because if you talk to people who love golf, who are genuine golf junkies, they love the tradition, they love the staid, they love the fact that it doesn't change. Everybody loves it when you go to Augusta, everything stays the same and it doesn't change. And the problem with that is that you don't renew a fan base. I think Augusta will always renew a fan base, but you know, you don't, it's the same thing with NFL and NBA games right now. You know, like Mike, I would love for my kid to be able to watch LeBron and Steph Curry, um, probably possibly play in the NBA finals again, but there's no way I'm letting that kid stay up for a nine thirty tip off. So, you know, it's, it's tough and no one has figured it out. How do you kind of continue to hold on to golf traditions while doing things that bring new people into the game? Um, it's just, it, it's, it's a tough and it's an impossible thing because golf is never, it, golf is never going to not be an 18 hole sport with a three and a half inch cup. Um, it's just from a participation standpoint, I think that's a totally different question, but from a tournament standpoint, you know, it, it's, it's tough to renew that fan base without creating things that are non-traditional. And there's places that have done it amazingly. I mean, you look at what goes on at the Phoenix Open, you know, that is what spectator golf needs in order to grow. Now, if you ask the people inside the ropes, they don't like it. They can't stand it. You know, nobody likes going to that 17th green on Sunday and having a bunch of drunk people (laughs) scream at them. But that's why there's 100,000 people around that hole. So... It's tough. You know, it's, it's one of those things that's, you know, I don't think it's going to resolve itself anytime soon. No. And, you know, you've got uh, companies like Top Golf and, and others that are trying a different approach to get people interested in the game. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not there and it's not designed to, uh, you know, push people necessarily into golf lessons. It's to show uh, a different way of introducing the sport to, as you said, to make it fun and interesting to uh, a new generation. And, out of that, obviously, some people might take a closer look at the traditional game, um, but they're quite content just going and, and having a great time at one of the top golf facilities. Um, right now, it exactly. has both. I think, right. Yeah, I, I think. Right. So I mean, it has, no, I've gone to. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, please go no, ahead. I, I, I've gone to I've gone to Top Golf before, and it's, you know, I I play golf and I've been to Top Golf, and I I don't even know that I put them in the same category. You know, it's. And both of them are fun. I like both of them, but I don't know that, you know, I think Top Golf is an excellent entertainment option. I think it gets people more interested in golf in general. I don't know if it's going to directly result in creating new golfers just because it's such a dramatically different activity, you know, but it's funny because what is amazing from a participation standpoint, not from a tournament standpoint, but what's amazing about Top Golf is that it's everything it creates or fixes all of the issues that the average person has with golf. Not that difficult. Uh, it's time flexible. There's no rules. You know, I don't have to show up and have a collared shirt on. Um, you know, you don't have to have a bunch of equipment. All that's provided for you. And then when you're done, you're done and you go home. It's, you know, it's, it's yeah. the perfect, it's it just, it's the perfect way to experience golf, but in a different form. Right. And I think a lot of it, you, you kind of hit it right on the head there is time. People today, you know, we're competing with so many different, um, you know, stimulation, if you will, or stimuli. And, you know, the traditional round of golf, which, you know, might have been three and a half to four hours, has now, you know, been catapulted to five hours plus. Most people, even some of your diehard golfers, don't have that kind of time available. So the industry is going to have to start making some changes and being more flexible in how... Uh, they approach things, even I think for some of the traditionalists, because people just don't have that kind of time with with everything else that, that's going on. And I'm sure that's something that even the, from a, a professional standpoint, that they're going to have to take into consideration. Um, what are your yeah, thoughts very quickly? And then we'll wrap. Ab- absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the world's a different place, right? It's not like 1970 when my dad could disappear for five hours every Saturday and play golf. And my mom was fine with it because that's what, that's what they did. That's what people did. Now, if you're in a two-income household, you know, and you're both gone working during the week, 
you know, if I came home, I'm in a two-income household. If I just came home every Saturday and told my wife I was going to go play golf for five hours, you know, after I did it for about six months, I'm pretty sure I'd be greeted by divorce papers on month number seven. So, <laughs> you know, it just – that the ability for – and, again, I mean, that, that's just addressing the male side of it. But, you know, golf was traditionally a sure. male-driven sport in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And if you've got – rightly so, a group of people who can no longer disappear every five hours on a Saturday on just on a whim, things need to adjust. You know, and I think if you look at the women's side, you know, the, the fastest-growing segment of golfers uh, in, the, in the world right now is, is girls under the age of 18. So to me, I think yeah. it's, it's exciting that golf, you know, if golf is introduced to women under the age of 18, is an obvious statement, but it's going to be more likely that they grow up and play golf and if you look at a lot of the women that play golf now, uh, well, not now, but if you go back maybe 10, 15 years, a lot of the women that were big golfers in their 50s and 60s picked it up in their 30s and 40s. They weren't golfers as kids. So to me, it'll be kind of exciting to watch how that cycle, uh, what that cycle happens with those group of young girls that, that are coming online now. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, well, John, we want to thank you for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf Show and, and shedding a little bit of light uh, as to what the tournament director does for an event. And we want to wish you uh, a successful event uh, this week at the Symmetra Classic. Thank you very much, guys, and I appreciate you having me. Have a great week. All right. Thanks. You too. Thanks, John. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was our very special guest, John Show, uh, tournament director for this week's Symmetra Classic. Uh, at the River Run Country Club in Davidson, North Carolina, uh, of course, for the uh, Symmetra Tour. So, um, Cindy, I know we got to wrap up real quick because I know you've got to step out in the lesson tee, speaking of lessons. Um, so we want to very, just very quickly thank uh, our very special guests again, Laura Wern and John Show, for uh, coming on this morning and, and sharing their thoughts and input into the game. And we want to thank you, of course, mainly the listening uh, audience for, for tuning in each and every week. And we just want to let you know that we're going to be back here next Tuesday with uh, uh, our third installment of our panel discussion. We've got some great uh, ladies coming on next week. Catherine Roberts and uh, Karen uh, Palacios Jansen is going to be joining us next week on the panel discussion. So we want to make sure you tune in next Tuesday from 9 to 10 Eastern uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com network. So on behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf, and we'll see you next week. God bless everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye.